Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Joe. It's not Christmas yet. Let's ah, go, Brandon. Let's, close enough. let's go, Brandon. Show everybody your T-shirt, your <coughs> Schweitzer shirt. I saw this. It was uh, for sale there. For sale at what? Is, what is? Camera, this one here. There we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. A festive, a festive uh, sweater. Yeah, you need, you need. Everyone needs a super ugly Christmas sweater, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this yeah. is mine this year. Yeah. It's very nice. And it's got I'm a, not sure who Brandon is, but yeah. um, I just, like I like the layout. You yeah, know, and I just like the, the pattern. You like the, the words, yeah. Yeah, and so let's go. It's a bit of... It's, it's positive. positive. Absolutely. Positive. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a positive message for Christmas. In these dark times, it's a positive message. Yeah. yeah. Lord knows we can, you know, use it. So Yeah. Merry Christmas to our peeps. Well, we'll say that at the end, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Only at the, the moment, end. it's still... Um, the dystopia before Christmas. It is. Are we going to be the on nightmare, lockdown the again? The nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> that's it. The nightmare before Christmas. I can't be lockdowns again. Who knows? It's like a. It's a lucky, a lucky, lucky dip. You know, it's a draw. You know, like a, a lottery. You know, people are hoping. Some people are hoping to. Uh, I think to have a nice lockdown at Christmas, and that's the problem. You know, that's the problem. That's a, there's an unknown number of people out there who uh, actually enjoy lockdowns. Yeah. It gives him a sense of, you know, secure. I mean, we've gone over this loads of times in previous shows about, and we pondered their the percentage. Lead, well, but well, the lead up to it as well. Number. Yeah, and the lead up to it over uh, the past, you know, ten, fifteen years or whatever, conditioning of the population. You know, I'm always reminded. I'm frequently reminded of those um, <clears throat> billboards or you know uh, signs. On particularly on the London transport uh-huh. um, network, but I think it was across most of the country where you just have these signs on on the on the tube on the subway or on at bus stops and stuff yeah. like that. And it was just a big eye, and it said "Secure beneath the watchful eyes." Yeah, and people are getting uh, those impressions from that all the time, and have been for you know, like I said, going back ten, fifteen years, and you know, it's. Obviously, government has has long ago decided that that works on people, you know, in the sense of it, it, it feels that it's fulfilling its mandate. I mean, this is just without putting any nefarious connotations on it. It's fulfilling its mandate to, to convey a message to the people or to instill in them a feeling of, we've got your safe. We're here. Don't worry. Mommy and daddy are here. You can go out and be in public and we'll take care of the scary things, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, if you look into whether or not the government had any part in creating the scary things, then, then the whole thing gets a bit more problematic, you know. It's uh, causing a problem and then causing the uh, to produce a solution, you know, yeah. that pushes things in a particular direction. But, yeah, so... Well, security, um, I just want to add to that, that it was, it was tied with the, the rollout of mass surveillance in public spaces in the United Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I don't think it's... I think it's pretty much fact that for about a decade there, the UK was synonymous with being the, the most surveilled place per square meter of land, um, of public space anyway, yeah. on the earth. Not that it ever did anything, because I think I vaguely remember studies done with, well, was there any kind of correlation in drops in crime rates or anything like that? No. Or in the, being able to catch criminals or crimes in progress nope yeah. so it had it had a different purpose and it was like you say it was probably tied with um the message that was 
it was rare that it was expressly articulated, secure beneath the watchful eyes, and literally have eyes on every street. Yeah, um, it wasn't the only one. wasn't there were also um, they dialed back on it because it kind of suggested snitching. But um, post nine eleven, you had if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was a more American. Today it's full of it too, though. You know, I've seen, especially in the UK, like public service announcements slash billboards slash advertising posts. Mm-hmm. You know, with just All the that. most horrific <laughs> COVID nonsense. COVID nonsense, yeah, the no, worst of it. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've shown those in previous shows as yeah. well. The, that kind of propaganda. Just throw up that. It's just it's useful. I don't know. If, and the same. I mean, the same thing was that was the, <laughs> the poster. You know. Um, I always want to put, like, take away Secure Beneath the Watchful Eyes and just put in the words 1984 in that. Because for some reason, it reminds me of either, you know, some kind of parody or some kind of a, a commentary on the on the book 1984, you know what I mean? Well, as if someone was... Uh, I have a guess as to why it reminds you of it. Because the, whoever chose the, not so much the exact imagery, but the kind of, um, the color scheme yeah. is kind of suggestive of... An old school forties fifties yeah. imagination of what nineteen eighties right. might look like. Yeah, you see, so mm-hmm. it was kind of stylized on, yeah, dystopian <clears throat> imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without but, a hint of irony. Yeah, so that was all. Obviously, that came out of uh, that poster and on other others like it came out of another warnings from government or other you know propaganda from government come out of the years of terrorism, right? Uh, so for us, it's difficult to disconnect terrorism with the whole COVID business in terms of the underlying dynamics and underlying themes of them, which is uh, there's a deadly threat out there and government's here to protect you and government exploiting that and using that and overusing that um, and exploiting the population, and con- you know, yeah. for the purpose of controlling the population. Because as we've said many times on the show, people think that government is there to take care of them, but they're not. They're there to control them uh, because if it's just about taking care of people. Most people, generally speaking, in good times and normal times, take care of themselves, leading to the fact, leading to a situation where government doesn't uh, isn't really needed, and so control is much more important for governments. And you know, so that's their mandate is to control the population. But you have to something has to happen. You need some kind of a a crisis or some kind of an issue or some kind of a problem in society for for government to. Well, quote unquote, take care of people, but ultimately it's controlling them, telling them what to do, where they should go, where they shouldn't go. Yeah. Well, the reason we use the term control is because it has a negative spin on it, right? Rather than care for. But uh, there's plenty of evidence that government aren't exactly benevolent actors in all of this. You know what I mean? I mean, and again, that comes down to your perspective, but uh, it's their own, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's. Um it's additionally, it's uh, okay. You're looking at it from the top down, but now maybe just turn it around from the bottom up. How many people out there don't have the internal um, software? Yeah, of their own that they that this constant barrage of here's what to think, here's how to behave, here's how to conceive of it, secure beneath the watchful eyes, right. It's actually there in place of, yeah, something that is not there at all. I inability to regulate their own lives and decide for themselves what they should and shouldn't yeah. do and to assess risk yeah. in in their lives and society themselves. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people like that. I mean, one good example, actually, I just came across it on... Uh, he's actually a blue checkmark guy on... on um, he's got 120,000 followers on Twitter. I don't know much about him because I only saw this video, a short video we made. It. You can throw it up there, Scotty. It's on Twitter. Um, Brittle Star, blue checkmark guy. Let me see who he is. He's, uh, he's the internet's favourite dad. There you go. So he just became popular on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but here's a little video he made, uh, and it speaks volumes about what we were just talking about. I've just had my third shot. A booster, they call it. How many more are they going to make us get? Don't know. Don't care. Because I, like you probably, understand there is a global pandemic, and people much, much smarter than you and me have decided this is the best plan of action to avoid lots more people dying or cluttering up hospital hallways. You and I, we're doing our part by getting one more little prick and not being one. Hmm. Bit of venom there. I've you know? just had my third shot. From a, a bit of venom there from a scaredy guy, obviously. He's fundamentally a scaredy guy who wouldn't see himself as, a, as being a, you know, a guy who's obviously afraid and concerned and needs external authority to tell him what to do when there's a problem in society. Uh, is he scared though? Yeah, I mean, he can't. He can't come out with that mm. attitude of, of you know, listen. It's it's got venom in it against yeah. people who are uh, not doing what the government tells them to do in this pandemic. And fundamentally, behind that that perspective that he's giving there is is fear. I mean, the whole pandemic has caused a lot of fear in people. Well, the so-called pandemic has caused a, lot of, caused a lot of fear in people, and has elicited all the reactions we have seen. The ones that we don't think are very positive. Uh, of, they're all fear-based, basically. And government continues to this day, as we were just starting the show with, um, to try and elicit that kind of fear in the population. And there's a certain section of the population that they can easily do that in and provoke those kind of responses. But the problem is that there's another section of the population who are just like, you know, listen, I'm an adult, I don't need you. Go <laughs> go away, get out of my... Get out of my uh, Get yeah. out of my face, basically. Get out of my life, you know. Um, but they have no representation. Right. Or little. Right. Well, how can they? And in, in, in the kind of governments that are around the world today, those governments are there to, like we said, control people's lives, lord it over people, tell them what to do. That's their job description. Uh, if they don't have something that justifies them telling people what to do, you need to do this or else, then what are they there for? Yeah. You know what I mean? And they feel that themselves, you know, so it is job justification and that's even just the most most uh, banal explanation for it or angle to it, you know, because obviously you could have quite a lot of them who actually enjoy uh, that kind of control as well. Enjoy yeah. turning the screws on people, yeah, watching I, people react, you know. I thought he enjoyed doing, <clears throat> making that video. He didn't, he enjoyed he, making he didn't that feel video. like he was doing his part for the war as in World War Two. Yeah. He looked like, you know, huh. Yeah. I just made a joke out of this at your expense. Yeah. But what I mean is, like, for him All to do that... All the believing he's righteous. Yeah. But for him to do that and be sincere about it, he has to be have some kind of baseline fear-based mm. response to and, and belief in the, the government claims that uh, yeah. that this is a deadly pandemic. And on the point, if you throw up the population, JPEG, Scotty, this is just a basic graph. You can get it uh, anywhere um, from any diff many different sources. But this current world, world population from um, this year, basically, the growth in the world population this year, and it grew by 78 million. I saw that, yeah. Um, that's the year, well, two years, over the period of two years, it grew last year as well, 2020 and 2021. Um, that's your deadly pandemic. 
uh, I know that's taking the broad picture, uh, the big picture analysis of it, but that's one valid way to look at it is that yeah. if you have had a global, deadly global pandemic, surely you would see maybe a... I mean, could you see, I well, that, is it too much to expect? I threw that at someone, a relative, last year. Yeah. And did you only throw it back at me? What? Yeah, but they'd all be dead oh, they, if we hadn't done this. They would all be dead. Those been. plus another X hundred million would be dead if the government had but, not. Da, da, da. If, that, if the government hadn't locked down and all that kind of stuff, despite the fact that there's no evidence that uh, lockdowns or masks have any significant impact on the transmission of respiratory viruses. I may or may not have come back with that, at which point his response would have been, no, sure. the evidence is they're still alive. But That's how they see it, Joe. The I'm telling you. The evidence... <laughs> That it works is that they're still, but that's 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 making a claim based on no evidence that they would have died. Just saying they would have died. You have no evidence. He has no evidence to back that up. That's a supposition, or that's a you know belief. But look, yeah. But when you're dealing with people who just are repeating government government talking points like that, I mean, there's no point in talking to them. We're not talking like someone with someone like that is apples and oranges. You know, it's like they're two separate conceptions and perspectives yeah. and attitudes towards the world and how to understand it. So you get two people like that talking to each other. It's just like, why exactly. bother? It's pointless. Exactly. You, know, really you have pointless. to go your separate way because they will always claim, <clears throat> they will always claim like that guy in the video claims, well, as my allies, he said, there are people smarter than me who yeah. made these decisions. There's a lot smarter than us. Smarter than all us. All of us. He includes all of us. You and me as well. So all these people are, we should be listening to them yes. because they're smarter than us. Now, of course, he's making a, an assumption there that uh, we would agree with him that the people are making uh, these statements are smarter than us. Um, certainly, we're not saying we're super smart or we're geniuses or anything like that, but we do have an ability to uh, figure things out and, you know, risk assessment and, and make judicious uh, decisions based on, on, on the way the world is and what's happening in the world yeah. and take responsibility for ourselves. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a BS argument because what he doesn't know, because it's been excised from his quote unquote infosphere, is that there are for every one scientist or doctor who is saying mm. X, its mm. opposite picture is stated clearly by their opponents in Y group, but they're just simply censored, yeah, or fired, or otherwise shut up or cowed into not saying anything. Yeah, well, to, to understand who who he means by smart people and us like people there's smarter people than us who have made these decisions who know what's going on we should just follow them um it's probably be useful to look at who the government thinks uh or what the way the government thinks that its information is best transmitted to the population and get an idea of what it thinks the intelligence level of the population is right so we throw up uh, celebs or scotty um this is just a few, there's lots more, but there are a few headlines for over the past year or so, up until fairly recently. Um, <laughs> government to spend 36k on Love Island reality stars and celebrities to promote, promote NHS test and trace. And the NHS to enlist sensible celebrities to persuade people to take COVID vaccine. The White House is enlisting pop stars, heavily followed influencers to endorse COVID vaccines and thousands thousand dollar cash payments and a TikTok influencer army are part of the campaign to get people vaccinated. So this, office, so this is what the government thinks is needed 
in order to convey the really important information to the population. So that gives you an idea of what it thinks the level of the average person yeah. that is targeting is at. So based on that, based on the fact that that Kim Kardashian and people like that are the ones who I'm meant to be looking at and taking information about vaccines or not vaccines, maybe that's the level of getting back to that guy who made the video. That's often them, right? Well, at the very least, I can't, okay, so I can't say I'm like smarter than scientists and all that kind of stuff, but I'm certainly smarter than Kim Kardashian and TikTok influencers, so... I think Kardashian's COVID skeptic, but point taken, there are many others. Yeah, well, okay, she's a little bit COVID. Yeah. Well, which one? <laughs> well, Ariana Grande. Uh, Ariana just Grande put a, just got a pop song. Nah, it's, don't do I'm it. just checking it now. Is it Christmas it? number one in the US? Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you The duet with... Um, that that comedian, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. It was a masked Christmas. I don't know. We're not playing one. it. I'm sorry. Have I'm to not look playing it, it, no. It's catchy, though. Ah, come on. It is catchy. That's because it's, it's a Wham song. Yeah, it's not the, It's not original. Of course not. They can't, they can't really do anything original. Um, but. Yeah, so uh, my point is I'm not putting myself, I'm not numbering myself like that guy would amongst the kind right. of people who get their advice, who From. need someone like a TikTok influencer or Ariana Grande to tell them what to do. If, if I, I'm not in that category. There obviously must be people out there. The government has decided, as we just saw in those headlines, the government has decided that there's a lot of people out there who are in the category where they would put uh, people like Ariana Grande or TikTok influencers as smart people who you should listen to. They're, I'm not in that category. I'm just saying. I just want to clarify. I'm not in that category. I don't uh, think I need to get advice from those kinds of people. So clearly, like, it gets back to the idea of there being a division amongst the population here and... Uh, Never the twain shall meet, right? Um, it's an in insoluble problem, effectively. And we're seeing it. Well, the, the way things are going, they might be. It looks like they're going to... I mean, uh, seriously, they're going all in. It's going to be a meeting of force. You reckon? 2022. I think so, yeah. I think... So they... far, it's using... It's mostly digital in nature. Um you get kicked off here, you get censored there, you lose a bit of income there, and or you lose your job outright, um, economic or digital. But uh, yeah, there's horrible stories about court cases where there's two parents, spouses, and the rights rights to access for a child. Um, yeah, the one who's quote unquote anti-vax has all rights withheld pending the vaccination. Stuff like that's coming down. Yeah. Um, well. Yes, I don't disagree with you that that's definitely the, the track they're on. Obviously, we've seen in Austria, um, you know, vaccine mandates, a kind of vaccine mandate in um, in Germany, or at least, uh, you know, harsh measures against uh, um, unvaccinated people. Um, in Holland has just recently, uh, past few days, announced a kind of pretty much a, a traditional a traditional Christmas lockdown, like as in traditional lockdown as in 2020 lockdown, all essential businesses closed, you know, kind of mm -hmm. only, only go out once a day, all that kind of stuff. Um, but And some, there's somewhere, isn't there, where you have to be back by eight? Is that Ireland? That's Ireland where over the whole Christmas period, they just announced it a few days ago, over the whole Christmas period, bars and restaurants and whatever else, um, those type of eatery establishment, drinking, drinking establishments of any, any description, uh, closed at eight o'clock. They wanted to do it, the... the but that's for everyone, both facts and on facts. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over Christmas, eight o'clock, 
it's not really workable, is it? I mean, it's really it's it's a bit sadistic. You know what I mean? It's like telling you, okay, because initially there were the, their scientific advisory group inside the government, supposedly, or outside the government, probably, uh, or above the government, perhaps, uh, told them five o'clock lockdown at five o'clock, which would just cancels Christmas, right? No, it's not lockdown. We're just closing all the bars and restaurants at five o'clock. Oh, okay. Uh, so they said, no, we'll make a concession, 8 o'clock, which doesn't really make much difference, you know. But um, And then the UK, yeah. Uh, Maybe I should walk that back then. You, you think there's no, in the future, yeah, it's not that they will come physically. Like so far, the, the physical clashes have been where police break up protests and there's violence at demos. Yeah. Um, but that involves you actually sticking your head above the parapet and yeah. challenging it. Right. Whereas what I was suggesting was they would actually start to go beyond these measures and start to enforce them. Well, I think not, it, maybe it, it still requires voluntary I think that based on what they've done over the past couple of years and the impacts this had on people worldwide, particularly in the Western world, but pretty much worldwide, and the impact it's had on the economy and what they're doing with the economy, with the whole, like we talked in previous shows about the greening of the economy and energy prices as a result of them relying too much on renewables and energy prices, prices spiking because there isn't enough uh, gas and, and coal and stuff that they're trying to phase out. Based on, on them doing that, if they push that further with really going towards more and more mandates, they're going to break something. Right, uh, and actually, if you just throw up that article, Scotty, uh, I just sent you on Reuters as an example. Uh, truckers uh, supposedly there's word that Canadian Canadian government is going to mandate, which they haven't done so far. Mandate. Um, oh, I checked. They have. Have they announced it already? Yeah. Uh, yes. In um, the new year. Yes. Yeah, so they've announced it for for some time in yeah. the new year. And truckers are on Twitter and stuff saying, "Listen, We're there's not, a lot of us yeah. who are not going to take this and." we're going to basically go on strike. Now, if you get, there's a lot of obviously trucker transport uh, over across the, the US border, and that's going to be a, a, a big issue um, in terms of supply, the supply chain for, for Canada, you know, uh, at least because yeah. Canada gets a lot of its, uh, you know. The Canadian Trucking Alliance estimates that between 15 and 30,000 truckers right. will either not be delivering goods or will instead be doing it so on the black market. They'll yeah. try to continue work, yeah. but go around I controls. Think, and I think one of the stipulations was that, was that for, especially for border for truckers crossing the border. Yes, so they would basically, beginning there. Yeah. But then, then there's everybody. an addendum where they want to roll on to the next, which right. is between provinces in Canada. Right. But it's the same in the U.S. But yeah. Biden is, man, the truckers uh, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, by February, they're right. watching how Canada goes. And then by February, it's supposed the to be the international travel so that's truckers crossing north and southern borders but mm. then there's, there's um it's not passed yet but there's another package coming behind that which is similar to canada where you go across straight uh, state lines Truckers right. there yep will have the vax monday slapped on them too yeah and they'll walk away we've seen that already i don't think it's subjective to suggest that to speculate well, that they're going to walk away from there's one trucker guy who was talking about this and he was saying a canadian guy who was saying listen all, all it'll take will be about 15 percent yeah of the of the trucker and trucking truck drivers basically in canada to, to say take your vaccine mandate and shove it and basically just stop work uh that that'll 
that'll have serious consequences for the supply chain and, and food and stores and all sorts of uh, commodities for, for Canadians. So that's the kind of thing, what, I mean, whenever I talk about them uh, breaking something with these, yeah. if they push that, that too far, that there's a sizable enough percentage of the population that depends on the country, it's different in different countries, but there's a sizable enough percentage of the population in every country, I think, that were, at this point, if they haven't got vaccinated, they're not doing it. It doesn't matter how much scare tactics they throw out there about Omicron and blah, blah, blah. Um, they're not doing it. Right. And if they try and, and, and turn the screw on those people and target them directly and make their life difficult, specifically, rather than a general statement or a general fear-mongering or that kind of pressure, then those people will, uh, well, they'll just resist. They'll, they'll do, they'll, they'll walk out, they'll stop working. Because if, if, they'll target people's jobs, um, First and foremost, to try and target them specifically, and people will just walk away. So the you know? broad strategy <clears throat> remains just to annoy people yeah. into getting it. Yeah. yeah, and in the meantime, other things will overtake. Yeah, the issue of the vaccines, the mandating of them. Yeah, specifically the economic consequences right. of coercing, well, no, firing, and or people just walking away from. And the, the economic con consequences of like last year, and you know, shutting down large parts of the global economy. You know. Well, not large parts, but you know, parts of the global economy, and putting it, throwing a, a, a monkey wrench in the in the works of the global economy. I mean, that's still, there's still those effects are still kind of to be felt in a certain sense. You know, they're they're enduring. You know, um, like one aspect is the labor. There's a labor shortage. You know, so many different aspects to this in, in terms of what they've done and the effects of, those, of of government policies over the past two years on on the global economy. But one of them is uh, we don't have. I think we talked about in previous shows about the stats of people who have just left their jobs. Yeah. The whole depressive attitude of, of, of the whole so-called pandemic um, I had on people, especially people who are maybe in their 50s, you know, not maybe 10 years, whatever, are thinking about yeah. retirement. They walked away early. Anyone and, who could took it early. But, of course, they spin that. In the US, they spin that as saying the job market's really robust because there's lots of jobs out there. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there's lots of jobs out there because a bunch of people left their jobs uh, early, which means, well, who's, fulfilling, who's filling those jobs? You know what I mean? There's all sorts of it's it's obviously a very complex system, the entire global economy, and there's all sorts of different little areas within it that are that are are a problem right now, and uh, they're being patched over effectively. They're still hobbling along to a large extent, but if they do more and they push it further, there is a breaking point. You remember we over the last weeks we're keeping an eye on the Biden regime's mandate for. All employees of private companies over 100 in number, with 100 or more workers. Now, that was um, pushed to OSHA, the Occupational Health and Safety Agency of the United States government. Mm -hmm. Then it was bounced from court to court. The latest is that the Sixth Circuit Court stayed the motion of the Fifth Appellate Court, so it's back on. Right. It's, it's back. Initially, we thought, yeah, but no, it's back. It's... Um, OSHA, the agency, government agency, will begin fining businesses that violate the federal vaccine mandate on January 10th. Yeah. That's going to affect everything. Yeah. Something like two-thirds of the U.S. Work, workforce, basically. I mean, a lot of, lot, lot of businesses already have, you know, on, on a case-by-case -case basis, have imposed some kind of yeah. vaccine mandates. But, and a lot of people in the U.S. are, are vaccinated. Um, but still, there's still a size of representatives that aren't, and why aren't they? You know what I mean? At this point, after all the, after the repeated onslaughts of pressuring and manipulation and fear to try and get those people to get vaccinated, if they're not vaccinated at this point, they're not doing it. 
uh, especially with, you know, pe- people have still some ability to read the situation, the whole Omicron thing, where it's very clear anybody who looks a little bit has that independent thought, isn't just looking to Tony Fauci to tell them what's going on, but looks into it themselves, looks at other sources of information, even official sources of information in the case of Omicron from South Africa, that the, all of the evidence at four or five weeks into its first appearance, that it's very mild, it gives you a bit of a cold or whatever. Sure, it's more contagious, but that's, so is the cold, so big deal. So as that kind of thing continues and, it, and people who can do their own research see more and more evidence that they're right to continue to resist getting a vaccine or resist the fear-mongering, uh, it's not going to change, you know. And yeah, so I agree with what you're saying, that the government will not like that and try and force more people to get vaccinated. And of course, it allows them to keep it going, blaming the vaccinated on the, the continued presence of any variant or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's a big joke. I mean, we're kind of repeating ourselves over and over again here on these shows, uh, but I suppose we have to, that the whole thing really has been... You know, a year ago, Biden specifically joke. said there would be no vaccine mandates. Yeah. Well, a lot early, of, early December. A lot of them did that, yeah. A lot of, a lot of governments in a lot of countries said that um, at some point, that it's not what we do, it's not the kind of way we, we live in the society, it's not, what, it's not policy. And then they just... And the, the strange thing is that, obviously, as a virus propagates throughout society and mutates, it gets uh, less efficient, less, less, less dangerous. That's the same true for you know pretty much all viruses as, as they spread and interact with human immune systems and they become less uh, less dangerous but so it's weird that as time progressed and and that process continued of, of the virus becoming weaker and weaker government started to increase the 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 messaging about its severity and increase the severe measures to do something about it it's like it start at what point do people go there's something else there's something else going on here yeah and they can't put their finger on it but it's right in front of their faces it's like and it's it's that government is corrupt and enjoys controlling and manipulating people and having uh enjoys job justification basically it needs job justification it needs uh they all need a reason to exist basically as 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 your leaders and as your politicians you know and they need a crisis and that's a good place to segue into the story from the UK last week um, <clears throat> where uh, the British government passed a law in Parliament after all of its talk about, no, no, vaccine passports, no, 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 we're British, <laughs> we're British, no papers, Stiff please. Stiff upper lip. No papers, please, that's what Nazis do, indeed. And yeah. they said stuff to that effect, what, months ago. Now, last week, COVID passports, um, mandatory face masks in public or mm-hmm. something. Um, in close places. And they, there was a Tory rebellion in the Parliament that so relied on Labour opposition support to get that passed. Um, in the midst of that, um, can you put up what I sent you, Scotty? It's, um, <clears throat> oh, dash. That's the wrong one. That's... Uh, a related story, actually, I want to talk about as well. The, the Spectator article I have in mind is from the editor of The Spectator, the UK version, where he got into a chat with <clears throat> none other than the head of SAGE in the UK. Um, 
So the editor is Fraser Nelson. <clears throat> he wrote a column about it after. This is his article. My Twitter conversation with the chairman of the Sage COVID Modeling Committee. So this is basically the group that, in quote, advises the British government on what it should and shouldn't do throughout this whole nonsense. So um, the backstory is that last weekend, this man here, Professor Graham Medley, published a study on Omicron making the case for more restrictions. Against all evidence, his model assumed that the Omicron variant is just as dangerous as Delta. Mm -hmm. But um, if you adjust for this factor, as one J.P. Morgan report did in a note sent around to its you know, high-profile clients, mm -hmm. just that factor where you say, well, actually, what if you plug into this model this man uses mm -hmm. and say Omicron is less deadly than Delta, then the model spits out that hospital bed occupancy this coming January will be just one-third mm -hmm. its level it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> Fraser Nelson asked this man, um, medley. It's uh, embedded in here. Why don't you scroll down? He has a screen capture of this conversation. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Okay. We'll scroll down a bit more to the second one. Okay, here. I'll go to the top of that one there. Okay, so the journalist asked the head of SAGE, what about in this other scenario, the one modeled by J.P. Morgan, where no further restrictions would be needed, so harm to economy and society might be averted? Mm -hmm. Can I ask why you didn't think this less alarming scenario was worth including in your report to the government? And he replies, second sentence, decision makers are, are generally only interested in situations where decisions have to be made. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a non-answer kind of. Nelson responds, why would you not, for completeness, add the scenario where Omicron is less virulent and therefore more restrictions are not needed? Medley responds, decision makers don't have to decide if nothing happens. Okay, so Nelson says, scroll down. So you exclusively model bad outcomes that require restrictions and omit just as likely outcomes that would not require restrictions. And he basically says, well, yeah. We generally model what we are asked to model. Yeah. There we are, okay. There is a dialogue in which policy teams, i.e. the government, discuss with us, the modelers, what they need to inform their policy. <laughs> so Nelson says, okay, right, so you were asked to model bad Omicron outcomes and make no comment as to the probability. And scroll down, that's some other comment here. His last word on it was, we modeled the scenarios that are useful to decisions. It's such an Orwellian kind of political doublespeak, you know what I mean? It's, it's so vague, but it's, all, it's clear what he's saying there, which is that we model scenarios that are useful to decisions. And go, go, go back up uh, a little bit, Kelly. Uh, okay, stop. Uh, we generally model what we are asked to model. This is a dialogue in which policy teams discuss with the modelers what they need to inform their policy. Okay, so what's your policy? The question there should have been, what's your policy? 
to inform your policy. Our policy, the answer might have been, our policy or probably was, our policy is that this is a deadly pandemic and we need to keep control of the situation, keep control of the, the people. So we ask for information that informs that pre-formed policy. Yeah. It's like back yeah. to Iraq's uh, weapons of mass destruction and yeah. Tony Blair fixing the facts around the policy. This has been a mainstay of, of, of politics, especially in the, well, in the whole world really, but in the West most particularly for probably for decades where uh, maybe forever, you know what I mean, as far as modern political history is concerned, where politicians have a plan, have an idea. And it's again, it goes back to the idea of, you know, people have known the movie V for Vendetta, that scene where the Chancellor is saying, we want, I want everybody to know why they need us. And it's a fear, like I, I've been saying, it's a consistent fear in the background of politicians or a need you could, yeah. certain say that, you could say that, that pr provokes a certain fear sometimes that they won't be needed anymore, which means that their job is no longer acquired. You know, so these yeah. people are all the time trying to justify their own jobs. Why? Because their jobs give them a lot of perks, a lot of benefits. Yeah. Whenever they leave politics, they get straight into a really high-paid job usually, all the connections they've made. So these people need the people to need them. Yeah. And for that to happen, they need a crisis or they're always looking for some kind of a crisis. They're always talking up. Sometimes one comes along and it's good luck or whatever, but a lot of times they're manufacturing it in one way or another. And it's all designed towards that dual, kind of mutually, uh, you know, compatible, uh, those mutually compatible ideas of uh, the people needing us to look after them and us needing to find something that justifies us looking yeah. after the people. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, at some point, in theory, in really good times, people wouldn't need us at all. Or need very stripped down government, very very little government. I mean, what does it really need in good times? What do you need government for? Yeah. Just to do a few, yeah. you know. And Nelson, bless him, he asked him in four different ways. Yeah, and I'm trying to get it out, and, and still couldn't get an answer. But but we can see that Medley gave it away. Mm -hmm. So he he reframes the question and he says, "But okay, I get what you're saying. So the government needs to be able to make a decision. So why didn't you present them with the two scenarios so they could decide between them?" And Medley's response was like, yeah, but that other scenario, quote, doesn't inform anything. It doesn't. Decision makers <clears throat> don't have to decide yeah. if nothing There's happens. nothing for us if to do. If nothing happens, I can make a decision. What he means by that is there's nothing for us to do. But they could. Making a decision is there's nothing for us to do. To normal I mean, people like Nelson. Well, he's thinking, yeah, but they could have decided to lift restrictions or to not add additional ones. Right. And Medley's like, no, but if I told them that, they wouldn't be able to add things. Right. A decision for the government is to do more restrictions of only. That's what? all that exists. And, and why? Because it continues the crisis and continues the justification for, for, for big government, for more and more people in government, more and more positions. A COVID czar, you know, a pandemic czar. A vaccine czar. A vaccine czar. You know what I mean? You can fill it up and you're pulling money from pub, the public purse, from pub, people's taxes yeah. to, 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 to feed that, those greedy politics um, so well does what what was the name of the guy who who's talking to him he's you say he's the political editor over the he's the editor of the spectator uk fraser nelson yeah well you know uh what's her name a couple of weeks ago allegra stratton yes did we cover that at the time um yeah the 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 lockdown parties in downer street this yeah, time last year right and, and her coming out do we play the video actually of her chuckling yeah. No. Just 
throw, <coughs> throw that one up there, Scotty. Because anyway, this Allegra Stratton, she's a so supposed, was a supposed government, UK a government week. spokesperson. Um, but she never gave any press conferences because that was going to happen at some point because she just got the job this year and she was gearing up to give her first press conference or something after like eight months in the job. And... Uh, and and it was this was this was a couple of came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, she is in this video having a trial run with members of the government, uh, of the government ministers, or whatever government who are uh, standing in as fake journalists or pretend journalists. Ah, throwing that's what it was. Throwing questions at her, right? To try and see what kind of you know, giving her a test to see if she she said the right thing. Now, so that's why there's kind of jovial aspect to it but just to tell you she's actually the reason the spectator seems to be well connected the spectator oh, magazine yeah. because james forsyth is her husband and james forsyth, james forsyth is the political editor of the spectator right and he's married to her and she was a government uk government spokesperson just go ahead there, before christmas as millions were cancelling plans was downing street still full of festive cheer Tonight, ITV News has fresh evidence that a party may have taken place in the <gasps> very building that had just proclaimed them banned last year. <laughs> in a rehearsal on the 22nd of December, the Prime Minister's then spokesperson, Allegra Stratton, is practising for the televised press briefings she'd been planning to host. Anybody have any questions today? She's answering mock questions posed by senior Downing Street staff acting as journalists. They include this one from Ed Oldfield, an advisor to the Prime Minister. I've just seen reports on Twitter that there was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognise those reports? <laughs> I went home. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Um, uh, uh, Would the Prime Minister condone uh, having a Christmas What's the answer? I don't know. I didn't know. It was cheese and wine. Is cheese and wine all right? No. It was a business meeting. <laughs> I'm joking. It's just recorded. This fictional party was a business meeting. And it was not socially distanced. That recording Gee, is the anyway, first stop time it there. Downing Street um, staff have been... That, that's kind of old news, but apparently she resigned. Uh, nobody else resigned. But they're all having parties while they told everybody that parties were literally banned. You're not allowed to have any Christmas parties while we'll have some parties. So obviously we don't take this seriously. It's a joke. And they're all having a good laugh about it. And how she's going to, you know, present it to the public. If, if, they, if they, the jur journalists uh, in the press conference ask her these questions, how she's going to answer them properly. Uh, but so it came out, this, somebody kind of leaked this video. And... Um, but apparently there's more because that, that was just part of that session of rehearsing... Yeah. Possible journalistic questions, and there's claims that there's more, and there's more video of the rest of that where she's asked questions about Boris Johnson's uh, mistresses and about his love children. Right. <coughs> uh, so that supposedly is to come out, and I bet you're about five or six. By yeah. the way. And he can't keep it in his pants. And uh, a couple of that's that's from a couple of weeks ago, you know. And it was a couple of weeks ago, just right around that time that Omicron as far as the UK government particularly uh, was concerned, went super serious. I mean, right on the heels of that, that story didn't, he, he obviously got asked about it here and there, but he just dismissed it as, well, I'm going to look into this and blah, 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 and everything was fine. You know, just brushed it off and said, but Omicron's deadly and we all need to lock down for Christmas. So it's like, I mean, this because this threatened, that kind of thing threatens 
public faith in the government. Yeah. So what does government do in response? Well, it tries to scare the people back into having faith in them. Yes. But the Omicron is the gift that gave everywhere simultaneously. Yeah. Like you're not suggesting like... No. It came out of South Africa. Well, well, Overplayed it. Well, it wasn't a gift. Just for British gain. It was overplayed. It's being simultaneously overplayed everywhere. Of course. They're all taking... Because they're all on the same page, right? Hmm. Government is the same So the timing was good for... Yeah, for sure. Although when it first came out, the appropriate response to it with the data out of South Africa was this was a nothing burger. It's basically like the cold. This virus has mutated into uh, into something that other coronaviruses that have been around since the 1960s are, which is the cold. They give you symptoms of the common cold. That's what Omicron and this virus now actually does. It's the cold. Just so everybody knows, everything that's happening right now and will happen over the next few months is being done on the basis of the cold circulating in a population anywhere in the world. That's it. I mean, literally. I mean, you could argue that it's before that it was the flu. But we've been over that uh, in many different ways with all the data to support that that contention. And it doesn't matter. We come back to the idea of there's some people going to see it for what it is, which is that. And there's a lot of other people who have, who are, well, they're suffering from sunk cost fallacy, I suppose. Whenever you believe a lie and then take action on it in the, for, in the sense of getting a vaccine, well, that's kind of signaling hard evidence to yourself that this, was, this is a serious pandemic. I believe that this is a serious, deadly pandemic because I had to get three vaccines and counting uh, in order to deal with it. Otherwise, I'd be dead. I mean, it's all, people can believe that if they want. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is for the vast majority of people, that's not true and never was true. As we've been over multiple times, this virus from the beginning and as it progressed, at, at the worst of it, it was dangerous only to a very, very tiny percentage of the population in the same way the flu is and um, in a similar way to the flu is. And that's all, <laughs> that's all there is to it. I mean, you can sum it up in that way, but then you look at the whole situation, you go, well, how did something as simple as that produce what we've experienced over the past two years? Well, look at government. Government is the one who, who has done everything that has happened over the past two years. And if government crashes the economy, the global economy, and ushers in, ushers in vastly more chaos and suffering than anything we've seen to date, then, well, was it on purpose? Was it the intention? I don't, I don't know how much um, intelligence to give them for the foresight of... Well, any of this leading to somewhere coherent? No, I wouldn't say a grand plan, at least not amongst those kind of people, but certainly they're just reacting on their own natures, which is greed, corruption, etc. And they'll take any crisis uh, and try and amplify it for their own benefit and to the, to the detriment of the, of, of the population. Government doesn't, doesn't care about you. Can we say that? No, we can't say that. Sorry, you're not allowed to say that, are you? You're not allowed to say the government doesn't care about you. Oh, certainly you can. Do, will anybody believe it? Some people. Will a lot of people not believe it? I think most people would. Would be happy to think the government doesn't care about you? Yeah. And by government, I mean scientists. Yeah, although, the whole although thing. most of that, most, would, uh, would go with their fears rather than... But I think there has to be an underlying belief that government does care about us, that that's why this is all happening. 
government scientists, all the people, because there's not a lot of separation between government and scientists over the past couple of years. They've kind of merged, you know, the scientists are telling government, government is taking, you know, data from scientists. So they're all part of the, the governing elite who are, well, they have to be, they have to, they have to care for us. You know, what other, how could you possibly suggest anything else? You know what I mean? Yeah, here's a scary image from Washington this week. It's a very short video. Scotty, can you put this up? On it, you'll see Fauci, head of NIH, and uh, Rochelle Walensky, head of CDC, on screen in the background. Okay, go ahead and play it. Yeah. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death. For yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. That's it. It's a For short unvaccinated. But obviously it was a, an hour-long presentation or something. And that's the COVID-19 response. That's the government. There's the government. Forget right Biden. He's not yeah, even yeah. – he's not just – he's not relevant. This, these are your rulers now. These mm-hmm. are technocrats. Two of them are familiar to you by now, the ones in the background. The one in the foreground I've never heard of. But uh, he is telling you how it's going to be. You are going to die this summer, this winter, if you do not get vaccinated. Yep. Which is not true. I know. Someone has to say it. It's, it's like not crazy, true. crazy. So, just ball face. But he's got all the authority of. Well, it's imagined. It's not legal authority, but uh, this is this is how government is. It, it's I don't know. At what, point, at what point does mildly dystopian become? Just yeah. full on dystopian. But it's like, been normalized, right? Um, people have gone with it they've given up their 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 power their free will they've accepted the the lie they don't they don't question it they accept again it comes back to me the, the idea that they have to believe that government is doing this in their own best interest that government is caring for them there's a fundamental belief that government cares for me why otherwise why would i go along with it if i had any conception that government was doing this out of some kind of uh, ulterior motives or whatever and that wasn't in my, my my best interest i would not be doing it they have to believe that it's for my 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 best interest, you know, um, and they'll accept that. They'll accept any kind of dystopian, totalitarian kind of configuration of faces on a screen passing out orders, as long as they continue to believe that government is this is for this is caring government, basically the caring face of government. Yeah. If you throw up that, uh, uh, this is just Fauci. Uh, we can't. I know it's Christmas and all. We don't want to ruin your Christmas, but here's the little little gnome, a little evil little gnome. Um, I wish we'd put a pair. Of, I wish he would put on a pair of like antlers or something, or or a Santa hat or something at least <clears throat> this time of year. You know, he would look so funny, wouldn't he? Uh, anyway, um, this is him about yeah. Well, it says it in the description, but you can just listen to him say it. It's crazy. They were suggesting that there really isn't much of a need for a mask on an airplane. Are we going to get to the point where we won't have to wear masks on airplanes? I don't think so. I think when you're dealing with a closed space, even though the filtration is good, that you want to go that extra step. There. Yep. So we can consider that as never again. So forever. Yeah. This is forever. <clears throat> and what blows my mind is that there are people out there who would hear that and the, uh, that, uh, that similar uh, concept of the new normal and this is going to be for the foreseeable future possibly for the rest of your life, depending on what age you are, or no matter what age you are, maybe, yeah. uh, that this is going to be forever. And how this, how anybody can take that as being sincere, 
or based in any kind of science where people like Fauci can say that forever, now continuing going forward for the rest of everyone's lives, you have to wear a mask on a plane. What's the science behind what, what's the where's this where's the science that says a coronavirus is going to remain a threat forever? Has that what previous coronavirus have done? No. Is that what previous other similar respiratory viruses have done? No. So why is they talking like that about this one? I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we can, we and anybody else can amass massive amounts of evidence that point, all point to this one answer. This is not about public health. It's about controlling you and they're enjoying controlling you. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. No matter how much evidence you marshal, hard evidence that would leave any rational person in no doubt or as little doubt as possible that that's what it's about. It's not about public health. Still, they disbelieve because they don't want to believe that because it's a scary proposition. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what to say. They've, uh, last week, Fauci on CNN explained that Omicron is causing less hospitalizations. Right. Last week, the CDC reported, quote, most Omicron cases in the U.S. have been mild. Right. And most people were vaccinated. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, what's that, that, again, it's all this double speaking stuff. Like, I mean. But then like CNN eight, reports that Pfizer's about to roll out a triple jab. Yeah, because they're going to make. anyone up, over two. Because they're going to make a lot of money from it, right? That, I mean, can you, are we allowed to go, are we allowed to say that, that companies that market a product when they see an opportunity to yeah, mass market the product. But, but who would... is the company and who is Fauci? Where does the company and Fauci end? Well, yeah, exactly. Fauci so them together. Like Dr. Scott, another headline, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, a Pfizer board member, time is running out to get a COVID booster as Omicron looms. Fi Gottlieb was the head of the FDA for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no difference between them. Um, with, I mean, in some countries, 85% of the population vaccinated, um, we seem to be, according to the government, we're worse off than we were a year ago when nobody was vaccinated. Yeah. So does that mean vaccines <coughs> don't work? <coughs> or does it No, it means the unvaccinated are evil. Apparently, that's the message I'm getting. But maybe vaccines do work, but they just stop people from dying. Like your, the person you were talking to last year said, no, we would all be dead if we didn't have vaccines. It doesn't mean that the vaccines are going to just get rid of the virus. The whole thing can keep going and you have all sorts of variants, but at least the more and more people are vaccinated, the, le the less chances you have of dying. Um, so we need regular boosters, right? Uh, every three months now they're talking about. Um, but has that ever happened with any other any other virus or vaccine, we need to get it every three months. The flu vaccine, once a year if you want it. Surely that suggests there's something not very good or f efficient, at least in terms of previous vaccines, about this particular vaccine. It doesn't work very well. Is that because of the virus? Is that because of the vaccine? They would say it's because of the virus, right? Yes. Because there's these mutations and they talk about Omicron. Oh, maybe Omicron can, can evade the, vac the vaccine. Uh, but but it causes much milder symptoms. So do you need the vaccine if it causes much milder symptoms? Who needs the vaccine? That's a big question well, for me all along. Who needs it? Maybe we want to play this, yeah. this one of Fauci on CNN, because he himself suggests that um, 
the vaccines absolutely don't work. This is why I think stupidity is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. This guy at the the <clears throat> the internet's most favorite dad. Yeah, him. When he claimed there are people smarter than us. Yeah. And he was thinking of Fauci. Yeah. Well, this is Fauci. How smart is this guy when he says this? It's the last um, question and answer from CNN. A CNN interview he gave this week. Dr. Paul Offit, who I know you know, he's on the FDA Advisor com Committee. He was on, a, on uh, the show last week, and, and he made a point, which, which is, uh, he's not alone in this, that there's a possibility that Omicron takes over Delta in this country, more transmissible, but causing less severe illness. And I know uh, it's, it's early in this, so we don't want to get ahead of the, where the data is, but is that a possible outcome here, that Omicron becomes dominant, but there's an advantage in that it's uh, less dangerous? That is a possibility, but let me give you the details about where we get those data, mostly from South Africa. So in South Africa, they're getting a very, very pronounced spread in almost a vertical spike of infection. And yet, when you look at the early data, it does appear that there is a diminution in the severity as expressed by hospitalization. The real question is, is that an inherent diminution of virulence of the virus? Diminution. Or is it because there are so many people in the population who have already <clears throat> been infected and now have residual post-infection immunity? which is not protecting them from getting infected, but is protecting them from getting severe disease. Whatever so, it is, the disease seems to be less severe, whether it's inherently less yeah. pathogenic as a virus yeah. or whether there's more protection in the community. We're just going to have to see when it comes in the United States. And for sure, Jim, it is going to be dominant in the United States, given its doubling okay. time. Thanks, Cody. So, so natural he just made the case for ending all this shit right now. Mm -hmm. But because but South Africa them. has a vaccine uptake of 36%. Right. So it's a naturally immune population. He right. just made the case right. for ending this today. Exactly. But that's what I've been saying as well. There's all sorts of competing. He's so stupid he doesn't realize that he, he just did that. Yeah. He, and, and he was try, making that point to try and get the – because he saw – they have the cunning intellect where they go – he saw what the CNN guy was yeah. angling I at. I see where you're going. Ah, so if Omicron becomes dominant, hey, shit, this thing has just viraled out, right. evolved, devolved right. naturally, right. and we're all cool now. It's just cold-like. And he goes, right. yeah, yeah, but there, there, there's something in the details. Let me tell you about the details, the diminution of the necessarily mean. And then he ends up saying exactly what. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he just doesn't have the awareness of what he just said. Well, he, <laughs> the, the, I don't know where he's confident. I mean, he tries to be balanced, but he's obviously not because he's got massive conflicts of interest and stuff in terms of owning, owning patents on vaccines and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's, what I've been, that's what I've been saying. That's what I, you know, m there's lots of questions about where Omicron came from and how it happened and blah, blah, blah. They're talking about people with AIDS in Africa, maybe blah, blah, blah. But uh, for me, the most rational explanation is that given uh, uh, sorry, South Africa's... Um, high percentage, 75% or 70% of people unvaccinated, that it spread the Delta or whatever previous strain spread in South Africa. And because there's a high percentage of people un unvaccinated, their natural immune systems, their natural immune response to the virus caused it, which is what would have happened last April and May of 2020 if they had not enacted this hysterical, ridiculous response. 
natural immunity, as in let it spread throughout the population, people's natural immune systems, which have a broad scale uh, approach to targeting the virus, cause multiple uh, mutations on the virus across the you know different areas of the virus and cause it to turn into the common cold, which is because it's a coronavirus. That's what would have happened last year if they had not done what they did. So unvaccinated South Africans just ended the pandemic. Basically, yes. And he knows it, but... He doesn't want to, doesn't want to go there. Why? <laughs> because, well, he's... He, yeah, yeah. He's, look, 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 at the, look at the media and the, the attention and the adulation he's been having over the past... Uh, he's gotten over the past um, couple of years. You know what I mean? I think he, he wants to give that up. I think he wants to say, my job here is done. I'm going to step back out of the limelight. You know, he loves it. So he's got every reason to keep keep it going you know nuts it's nuts <coughs> excuse me and they want the vaccines keep coming oh my god um i mentioned pfizer yeah of course of course they're gonna say uh, they're doing trials on two to eleven year olds yeah two to five year olds which parents are offering their children up for those trials in which they give them three doses at once, at once. Well, I guess over a, f- a period of weeks, but um, God in heaven. Yeah, I want to come back to something there. Well, unless you want to stick on no. the bloody Omicron, no, uh, because I could be just figured out. It's over. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's over, but virus, the ba- but the, the band's going to make of, it at the level of the science. It is. Yes, but it has been. Well, level of the science has never been. Objective throughout this entire situation, you know, it's over, but the band's going to make it, you know, i.e. the government's going to make it keep going. Maybe we don't want to talk about it. I don't know how what? big it's something that caught my eye over the years. We talked about Brexit a lot and yeah. you're particularly pushing, you know, I don't think they're actually going to leave the EU and they did formally, but structurally they're still very yeah. much enmeshed. Blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a few things that made me wonder about the, the bashing Boris is getting. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that leaking of lockdown parties at 10 Downer Street was contrived, done Maybe, deliberately. Possibly, yeah. Because now his Brexit ministers have quit. Now, this yeah. guy is called Lord David Frost. Yeah. Lord Frost, top guy for Boris. Boris said, me and him, you can't put a cigarette paper between us. Yeah. You know, And now he's lost a key ally. He quit. He quit after giving a speech last week in which you paraphrased the famous Bruges speech by Margaret Thatcher in which he said, we can't carry on as we have before if after Brexit all we do is import the European social model. We have not successfully rolled back the frontiers, that's paraphrasing Thatcher, of the European Union from Brexit, from Britain through Brexit only to import that European model after all this time. So he's claiming, you know, we're not really separating from Europe. But his other thing was um, he was totally against more COVID restrictions, Mm -hmm. specifically the COVID passports. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wanted no new mask rules, no vaccine passports. Two days later, they had that vote in Parliament. It was passed um, and Frost quit. At the same time last week, there was a by-election in which like, the yeah. safest ever Tory seat in the yeah. UK was lost for Lib Dem. Um, yeah. But that's, that just speaks to what I was saying about Brexit, that they haven't really... Well, 
disconnect from Brexit the at all. The new Chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz, mm -hmm. several weeks ago, said that a sovereign Europe, and he gives, goes on to explain, the federalization of the European Union is the key for our new German foreign policy. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how much Britain's COVID policy, in quotes, is actually still the Brexit battle, mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, yeah. that's just that's just my some thoughts on because the uh, <clears throat> the British government has like incredible way. It's like a chameleon, even when it's falling apart and in the worst crises ever. It, what immediately follows just happens to land slap in the middle of like the perfect solution as far as the so-called establishment deep state of that country sought mm. you, you would imagine because mm. they end up winning everything they don't lose anything there's mm. no popular revolt there's no leader who comes in and then they have to concede workers rights if it was back in that day um, or any kind of populist demands of what the pe most people want mm -hmm. they always land on their feet mm -hmm. so I, I'm thinking even with this crisis in Britain they're, they're probably going to land on their feet and it may be something like they think getting Britain into a crisis that actually gets them back into Europe yeah. formally. Well, I think they haven't really, like I said, they never really left. Well, formally, yeah, yeah but they never really left. It was, it was in, informally, they're still pretty much t tied at the, joined at the hip, joined at the whatever, um, with the EU. And I mean, that's to keep it all on song because if you have one country that kind of goes independent and you have some elements within, within that country who can... I mean, you see this in, in the US, you know what I mean? We have Florida and Texas and a few other states who are very much saying no thanks to all the COVID bullshit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in Europe, they don't want to have uh, the UK, which for a while there, I was actually saw it as being, there was, seemed to be, there did seem to be a battle going on. And there was a bit of a, a bit too much freedom being allowed within yeah. the UK up until this recent Omicron nonsense, you know? So it's all, yeah, there's, it's a little insight or it's a hint at what's going on behind the scenes. And yeah. there are people who, behind the scenes who have effectively run uh, the British government in, in Whitehall. The Mandarins, as they call them in Whitehall, have, have done for a long time, who, who you know, want, to be, want there to be an integrated response. They're the kind of Alex Jones's globalist, right, where it's everybody's on song. I mean, you're getting into kind of one world government kind of territory here. Yeah. But there's some, there's, you know, that's not a, a crazy conspiracy theory. There's, there's evidence for clearly of... of yeah, not least top, the last two years. Yeah, a top, yeah, exactly, a top level kind of group of people in different areas of of the of the of human domains, basically of, yeah. of, of human activity, who who direct things, you know, and who pass down advice to governments and, and that kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, I think they want. They certainly want. They don't want the UK. I never wanted the UK to be sitting on the shores of off the shores of 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 the European continent and to be doing its own thing because that then has influence on, on other people in the, in, yeah. on, in the continent. So they want a, a blanket policy that applies to everybody that everybody follows, you know? Yeah. And you notice that if, uh, if any one country goes kind of quiet and something happens in that respect, there's a little bit too much independence, you don't hear about it anymore. I mean, I still, I mean, I haven't looked for it, but I don't look for things unless I'm particularly interested in them but i just scan the news and see if i can see what see what's popping up what's being talked about by the media because the yeah. media is a good read on what the government and this yeah. whoever else wants people to know and i haven't heard anything about spain 
in months now. Right. We talked about this in a previous show where the effectively the governor of Madrid has for 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 you know earlier this year she basically said, Listen, it's done. We're not doing this bullshit anymore. We're not locking down businesses. We're not we took the same the same approach as, as DeSantis in Florida basically. And because that was in Madrid, um it had an effect on the rest of the country. And you don't hear anything right now about in the media about Spain and about COVID restrictions, anything. Apparently it's it's all cool down there, you know. Um Right, so it's well, that won't you know, be the end that, of the story. No, there'll be background battles to get yeah, her. Yeah, for sure. And if she gets booted, then it'll come yeah. back on. There'll be an upt- uptick in uh, a massive, massive spread of yeah. Omicron or whatever. Omega, apparently, Omega is going to be the next variant. They even set it up. They just jump to Omega. They better not go to Omega because they can't the go end. after that. That'll be a good one. Well, yeah, that might be the last, the last hurrah it's of COVID. all in there. Yeah, before uh, the economy collapses. Mm, that would be a nice segue. Yeah, yeah. Omega did it. Omega did it. Well, the Omega would be, the Omega variant would be the one to uh, to push the economy over the edge, right? Not governments, mind you, just the virus. The virus, is a, the virus will destroy the global economy because that's how sneaky this virus is. It's not just after humans; it wants the destruction of the economy. Uh, on that note, Scotty, can you put this up? Um, the headline in British paper last week. No matter what <coughs> sensible things. They say here and there, this is what people are being fed all the time. Ooh. Sunday Express, held hostage by the virus in massive wow. caps. Who's held hostage by the virus? Is the virus the government? I think the government. No, no, no. The, the implicated. The, yes, that's what it is. But the, the what's implied here is that the government is being held hostage by the virus. I.e., Boris and Co. have no choice but to do what they did last week okay, to propose more per lockdowns, government. circuit breakers, blah blah blah, vax mandates, and all the rest of it. Somebody's being held hostage by someone. Definitely, but it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> it's that interpretation of it. If that's what they wanted to convey, it's uh, obviously just replace uh, add the people held hostage by the government. The virus is the government at this point. Uh, it's a deadly virus. And there's no vaccine to it. Well, there is a vaccine to it. There is. Knowledge. Responsibility. Stop believing the bullshit. Do your own research. Grow up hair. Stand up. Become the independent human that you were meant to be. Hey. <laughs> Well said, well said. I shouldn't laugh. But I, again, I'm thinking back to what I said at the start. There are just some people. Oh, yeah, not going to go there. Of course. You could, <laughs> you could say that to them from now to uh, eternity, to the cows come home. Uh, but it's not going to make any difference because they can't do it. So, uh, And again, that's that'll sow division. People talking about this is what the government has done. This is sown division in society. You see people shouting at each other, at each other over uh, vaccines and masks and stuff. Yeah, the government has stoked that and has created a situation where those those fracture lines in society that have remained, you know, hidden and, you know, not a problem for so long, they've exacerbated them and brought them to the fore. But that fundamental division between human beings is essential. It's part of, it's down to the individual nature of each individual person. And like we've said in previous shows, we know who the adults in the room are. It's the ones who are standing up and taking responsibility for their own health yeah. and their own uh, understanding of the world and navigating themselves. And the children in the room are the ones who are saying, Fauci, what will I do today? 
you know. Well, Daddy look, Fauci. I want to look at the how next, many masks should I wear? I want to look at the next item. Let's have a look at what we anyone have a bit of common sense knew those adult children were going to do to their actual children if they put them through the last two years. This is from the British Medical Journal this week. COVID-19, children born during the pandemic score lower on cognitive tests, study finds. Um, it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. uh, children born during the pandemic score markedly lower on standard measures of verbal, motor, and overall cognitive ability. Well, no, no shit. Like, they've been kept out of school. They've been had their faces covered. They've been looking at their parents and everybody around them with... It's only no based on a cohort of kids from Rhode Island, so one U.S. state. But yeah. they use, they're using scales and indices that are, have been used for decades. According to the first report, um, this first study, probably not the first, it hasn't been, it's like a, like a pre-study, you know, it's pre-publication. It hasn't actually been peer-reviewed for yet, but uh, it's not looking good. So... The cohort of study they did with 672 children born since the pandemic, in quotes, started. Their average IQ score has dropped 22 points. Well. The researchers ruled out a direct effect of the virus. Because mothers or children with a history of testing positive for COVID-19 were excluded from the analysis. Instead... Reduced interaction with parents and less outdoor exercise are likely culprits, along with effects that occur during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, to underscore that, they show the contrast between 2019 and the year pre-pandemic in 2020. Children born in 2019 did not experience a decline in development scores. I wonder why. Um this is all stuff that's going to come out in the wash. You know, that's I just know. one example of a lot of other things that are going to come out in the wash. And you know what? There'll be no deal blame for it. And this, we'll be in that situation. We'll you said 2020 was bad, but 2021 was worse. Yeah. And the effect is larger in boys than in girls. Yeah, for sure. Um, poverty is not, they, they also factor in that. that that's not that, it, it doesn't matter. Your, your your social status it's it's up and Across down the, board, yeah. the social status. it's to do with the direct developmental requirements of facial contact tactile touch and so on he made the comparison at the end the head of the study um he said the closest thing we have seen in other research to this and this is horrible he says not a good comparison to be making is the studies that were done of orphans in Romania, mm. the effects of institutionalization and lack of interaction on them were profound. Mm. But what we're seeing here is on a par with that. Mm. I mean... <laughs> I, you can lose faith in, in, in humanity. That's what they're know? doing to their own kids. Yeah. In the millions, in the hundreds of millions. Because of the reliance on corrupt authority that they believe to be a benevolent authority, despite all of the evidence. And they won't believe that it's a corrupt authority because they can't believe it's a corrupt authority because something essential within them stops them from being able to do that because they they basically stating to the universe that they're no good on their own. They can't cope on their own. They need a, a strong authoritative structure in their life, especially when there's some kind of a crisis. And if someone comes along and manufactures that crisis and inflates it and they have control over the propaganda 
uh, streams the access to people's minds, then they can create whatever crisis they want and have people respond to it in whatever way they want. And like we said, I mean, it's it's like beating a dead horse at this point. I don't know how many more years people need. And the problem is people need, there's a lot of people out there who don't, who no amount of years will ever get them to the point that they understand it. At least not while things are taken over. The only thing that happens is that this level of corruption continues and, and, and the people's, these people playing their part in it or they're facilitating the whole thing. The whole thing comes crashing down and collapses under its own the weight of its own hubris and bullshit and lies and only then do people start to wake up but they don't even wake up then what happens at that point is they just start they kind of like stagger out into you know some kind of chaotic situation in, in society and they have no idea how it happened how did this happen you know what I mean it's like geez I mean at that point be a lot <laughs> there wouldn't be a lot of I would ha- find it hard to have a lot of sympathy for those people I will have sympathy for them but it would be difficult because yeah. yeah. I want to wring their bloody necks at that point for, for the, at that point, you know, it had been years of evidence mounting over and over again that there's something not right about this. That this is not good for you. It's not good for your society. It's not good for your children. Stop going along with it. And they refused. They refused. Not only did a lot of them refuse, but they actually attacked the people trying to tell them that. And the end result is they end, they end up in a you know in deep shit basically with all the rest of us although they're in the worst situation because they have no clue what's going on because they haven't been tracking because they've been listening to little freaking shithead gnomes like Fauci and other similar tosspots. Anyway, <laughs> um, Scotty, so. show us your uh, antlers. <coughs> the only person apart from our decorations here who's actually in the Christmas spirit, well, Neil is Hang bit. on now, hang on. Let's go, Brandon. But that's, we know, I, I did a bit of Google research. There's Scotty's antlers. Um, he is, I don't know. Fantastic. Oh, just fantastic. Yeah. Very festive. Festive, absolutely festive. <laughs> uh, Christmas is all about uh, reindeers and stuff. Um, so, um, and I, I just Googled what that Let's Go Brandon is and it's not a positive message. Well, it's not. Sure, no, it means fuck Joe Biden. It's a euphemism for fuck Joe Biden. Oh, is it? Yeah. Are you happy about that, Neil? Oh, it kind of actually makes me feel warm inside. All right. Well, then go with it. Whatever works. Uh, yeah. So apart from COVID bullshit. Um, the transitory inflation. Uh, that's just Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what's coming. They keep talking about it. It's <laughs> happening. It's 7%, they say. The worst since 1980. Yeah. Like I said to you before, it's more like 30%. Yeah, for sure. Because they changed how yeah. they calculated it. Yeah. They're just... Uh, yeah. And they're still trying to... In the US, they're still trying to pass that uh, infrastructure bill. 1.23, whatever more trillion. Depends. It's broken up in different ways, but it's trillions of dollars. And... Um, the triple B... The quadruple B, the Build Back Better Bill. Build Back Better Biden Bill. Uh, <laughs> Biden's Build Back Better Bill. Yes, that's five people. So um, that's going to, I mean, there, you know, there's a lot of problems with it, obviously, and that, that massive amount of spending, increasing the debt limit in the US. You know, there's a possibility of people talking about it, increasingly talking about the idea of the US not being able to finance its debt, not be able to repay its debt. Um, in fact, they said that they would be able to pay just just uh, about a week ago or whatever. The Biden Biden himself said that he he signed off on a, on a document saying that, you know, we're I'm signing this document so that we uh, let everybody know that the government, the U.S. government, pays its pays its bills. But in doing that, it had borrowed more to pay those bills. Right. So it's like me saying like I'm going to pay off my bills by getting another loan. 
that that's not the classic definition of paying back your bills or what you owe, you know, borrowing from someone else because you're just increasing your debt, right? And and in fact, yeah, they're actually increasing it. It, it. The debt is mounting despite the fact that they're paying back some of the interest on their loans, maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, it's not really sustainable. There's a lot of talk about U.S. or sorry, China and Russia developing parallel systems in order to, uh, for example, the Swift Swift system. The, Russia has been on that before. It's on it again with China having talks, Putin and, and Xi having talks about uh, you know, kind of cementing their or reinforcing their, their economic ties and setting up a system where they would be invulnerable. They're basically their financial systems would be invulnerable to the US, i.e. that's the whole SWIFT system where the US has threatened in the past to try and kick uh, Russia out of the SWIFT system, which is an international payment system for all sorts of behind-the-scenes economic stuff. And um, you're cutting, that's one of the <coughs> potential sanctions they can impose on Russia, <coughs> economic sanctions by uh, curtailing their ability to do international trade and, yeah. and, and payments and stuff. So, uh, And Russia is concerned about that because of the whole business over Ukraine right now where there's been a lot of talk, as we mentioned last week, uh, about, uh, at least in the Western media, about Russia going to invade Ukraine. Ukraine. Apparently, Biden just said recently that there's a four-week window for him to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. And at that point, so everybody's talking about January um, because they need to do it quickly before it gets really cold. Uh, in, uh, in in Ukraine, uh, I would have thought it's pretty cold there already. But whatever, that's the, that's the idea that they have to do it before uh, before deep winter sets in. You know, they have to do whatever they're going to do. It's, it's all World War Two kind of uh, analogies, essentially. I mean, they're they're right back. You know, we talk about them talking about Russia as in like they're still re- relating to Russia as if it's the Soviet yeah. Union. Well, in terms of this Ukraine business, they've gone back to the Second World War, basically, with all these analogies about you know, troop movements and how, how to avoid the bad winter weather and, you know, keeping the supply chain, uh, the military supply chain open and stuff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we don't know. I but you, you highly said to me I suspect that you, that they, that you, you thought that um, it's a bit more than just the, the on-off hot-cold yeah, we've had it's over worse the last in this, six it, years. It's worse in this point because at this point because the West, Western powers, particularly the US, seem to be feel that they have something over Russia that they are in a, a controlling position where they can, like we talked about, where they can, um, they have complete control over Ukraine and the Ukrainian military, which they've been building up over the past five or six years uh, to a half decent army. Probably still not very good, but half decent. Certainly better than it was in two thousand fourteen when the whole uh, Kiev coup or the coup in Ukraine happened and Russia took Crimea and then Donbass, the Donetsk uh, and Luhansk regions declared uh, independence and Russia supported them in doing that and pretty much wiped out any Ukrainian army resistance to that. It's different now. They are probably better and the US has been building them up over the past number of years and they have, they feel that they're in a position where they can impose more suffering on the people of Donetsk and they can maybe you know, it's it's the thing is the U.S. Ukra- the Ukrainian government obviously wants Donetsk back, right? It doesn't want to give it anything. It doesn't want to give it any independence. It wants it back into Ukraine. The people in Donetsk don't want that. They want to be Russia aligned and even have independence or join Russia, whatever down the line. Um, that's what the Ukrainian government wants, and you can understand that from a nationalistic sentiment point of view. We don't want parts of our country breaking away, but tough shit. It was your fault in a way. Um, for 
going along, organizing the coup, accepting the U.S. backing of the coup. Um, so Kiev, the Kiev government wants that back, but the U.S. doesn't care about Donetsk. It doesn't care about Donetsk being yeah. reincorporated, reincorporated into Ukraine or being given back to Ukraine. It it cares about poking the bear and antagonizing Russia, and not just antagonizing it, but antagonizing it, but antagonizing it in, to a point where it hopes that it will get it to do something, like maybe invade or start some kind of a small, lower-level, low-level conflict war directly, and then it can kind of blanket the media with all sorts of condemnations and put in put into place sanctions against Russia on the basis of that, yeah. including on Nord Stream, because they've had an assurance from Russia, from Germany, that if Russia were to do something cross a red line or whatever in Ukraine, they would shut off Nord Stream for good. So they really feel they have Russia over a barrel in this yeah. situation and they're really trying to turn the screw on it, you know? And that's why I was saying that I, I, I was reading a kind of seriousness from the Russian government over this particular episode in Ukraine that was different from previous ones. Because yeah, Putin was US calling Macron and saying, <coughs> can you... Yeah, and the Germans as well. Please stop sending weapons. Yeah. He, he said... Um, Please stop pumping Ukraine full of weapons. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're just pouring. He was, in. He, was, he was telling. Yeah, he was. He was telling. Macron and you know, US, and the Germans. US troops are stationed in Western Ukraine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it's a difficult situation for the Russians the, in that situation. The number two of Lavrov, so the deputy foreign minister of Russia, told Sputnik this week that the the US's current activities so close to Russia's border, quote, quote, risks escalating to the level seen during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Yeah. So that's how they see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a kind of an attempt to corner or to capitalize on whatever they think they have, mm -hmm. to capitalize on, we've got the son of a bitch now. Yeah, yeah. And that's putting, putting a, more, a, a, a more grim... Uh, Meanwhile, they're conducting uh, air, air raid siren tests in Kiev. Yeah. All week, right? Um, I don't know. Putin sent a draft treaty to all NATO members, saying, basically, look, we need to something like um, we need to agree that you have your red lines and this is our red line. And the Biden administration responded to that and said, Biden actually, literally, directly said, "I don't accept anybody's red lines. Mm -hmm. I, you don't give us the red lines. We give you mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And if you go to that kind of brinkmanship, yeah. you're naturally going to have." Yeah. They're going to go to the brink. Yep. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, again, yeah, they're talking about January. They seem to be putting it off uh, until after the Christmas New Year period. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, if anything, in January. But it's a difficult situation, and I don't, I don't really see uh, anything any other way than for the Russians to. They, they don't want to. They want to create a situation where, you know, it's resolved to a large extent, pr primarily for the people in in, in Donetsk. Um, but without looking like they backed down, that they, that they backed away. You know, they want to avoid that as much as possible, but they're not going to hang their hat on that, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's difficult, and I don't really see any other way, because I don't see them launching any kind of invasion. I could be wrong about that, but I don't see it happening. Um, I just see the U.S. trying to screw them over more and more. And I think what you were mentioning about them, Putin going to France and Germany and saying, listen... That he's trying, they're trying to use the diplomatic route to try and put pressure on to get yeah. an equi equitable uh, solution to the situation yeah. to calm it down and make everybody go home. 
and basically just maintain the status quo as, as it has been for the past five or six years where Donetsk is <clears throat> technically independent but not recognized by Kiev, obviously, or the US or anyone else. Or just, Moscow, formally. Well, well, it doesn't yeah. recognize... No, it's not recognized it, but it's facilitating its independence yeah. effectively. So, and just leave it like that until some point in the future when, like, as Lavrov, I think, said, or someone in the Russian government said, that until some point when there might be a US administration who could be more reasonable and we could actually negotiate with. Or not, he didn't say in the US, he said in, in, in Ukraine. Yeah. Until <clears throat> such point at the, as there's a change in government in Ukraine, but until the US gets the hell out of Ukraine or boots the US. Or someone in Ukraine boots the US out of, the U- out of the Ukraine, that's not going to happen. They're going to maintain the kind of government, client, proxy government in Ukraine that they that they set up in 2014. So it's, yeah, it, it doesn't look good. It's pretty bleak, you know, but uh, I suppose at that point you just say, okay, just put everything on hold and wait and see what happens while the economy crashes. And every, all other consider- yeah, and all other considerations are irrelevant. If, if the Russians thought more <clears throat> as long term as the Chinese do, it would be don't let them bait us over Taiwan. In their case, mm-hmm. just bide your time. Hold the line, hold the line, and look at the trajectory. The U.S. is doomed. They're literally trying to fiscally imagine their way out of their debt crisis. Um, yep. Yeah. They, they probably think they can uh, wait it out mm-hmm. and inherit the earth, in quotes, yeah. afterwards. But the U.S. is like, no, 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 no. If we're going down, we're taking every single one of you motherfuckers with us. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be the attitude, you this, know? This, this, the Samson doctrine, yeah, Israeli doctrine. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty crazy chaos, chaosy type Christmas period. Thing. People are trying to carry on as, as normal, but they're not being allowed to carry on as normal because we're in the new normal, which is very abnormal and dysfunctional, and government likes it that way. People don't. Some people do. I'd say most people don't, but most most of the people, the ones who do are happy with it. Most of the people don't like it, but they don't know what to do about it, and a small minority who also don't know what to do about it, but at least they're actively thinking about what they should do about it and watching the situation and uh, did you see um the William Engdahl article about um global fertilizer supply yeah no he but he's forecasting that, that 2022 supplies will be halved 50% and he bases that on what's actually happened this last few months with the closure of key suppliers of fertilizer on the back of the spike in gas prices. There are many plants that just close their operations completely. It was just no longer cost-effective to run. I mean, there are, diff- there are different reasons. It's complex again. For example, he says, the world's top supplier, like to a crazy level, a bit like the way China has domination of uh, rare earth minerals, Belarus dominates potash. Right. I'm not sure why, but it does, 90% or something. Yeah. Well, it's planned can no longer sell its products to the West because of the sanctions. Right. Anyway, that's one example he gave, and he's forecasting a half, 50% less available fertilizer to farmers, which globally, means, which agribusiness. Means, which means 50% less crop yield. Well, he has the explains in a contextual sense, citing a UN report, but for the development of modern fertilizer, you know, oil-based mm-hmm. agri-products and agribusiness. It'll all be dead. <laughs> 
we would never this would never have happened yeah. there would ne- he says something like 3.8 billion people wouldn't be alive today mm-hmm. <clears throat> half the world's population yeah but for that so when you, what's a good way to get rid of them no? when the thing that rockefeller and all of big oil put in if they're about to withdraw what mm-hmm. they put in mm-hmm. it's like bye-bye to those half the world's population yeah something like that it's a terrifying report and he yeah. wasn't trying to be terrifying I mean, he was just lifting it off and but saying, of course it's not all at once right what happens is that um, when that kind of thing starts to happen you have mass migration from countries particularly from poorer countries towards large, uh, more, more affluent countries it doesn't, it's not like everybody just is wiped out because there's 50% yeah, reduction in crop yield you have hunger and you have a lot of people not everybody but a lot of people you have governments trying to make up the shortfall and you know uh, emergency, you know, deliveries of of, uh, of grain. You know, like uh, I think I, I don't know if I used this analogy before, but you've seen we've seen pictures over the years of like government delivering off the back of trucks, you know, sugar and grain and rice or whatever basic commodities to people all chasing the truck down the street. That's something you that people should not <coughs> uh, view as unimaginable for Western countries. You know, in some areas, and certainly it's coming back and a lot of other places around the world that are less well-off, let's say, uh, than, than people in the, in the first world countries, as they call them. Uh, but again, also mass migration. My, people think they've seen problems with migration over the past few years. They ain't seen nothing yet. That's not migration. This is migration. <laughs> That's your prediction for 2022? Yeah. Mass migration. So my prediction for 2022 is food bar. It's just going to get a lot worse. And it's going to be different than COVID. But COVID, it'll come on the heels of COVID and it'll be economic and there'll be, you know, rumblings, beginnings, startings. And, and at that point, you know, I mean, people can prepare right now with, you know, projecting on, on that where there's no evidence. The average person in the street doesn't see it that way. They're not kind of like putting food away or anything like that. They're not preparing for that kind of thing. But there will come a time when you'll start to hear the first rumblings of, of that, of an economic, serious economic problem globally. And... At that point, you'll still have an opportunity to do it, you know, so you get a second chance if you haven't foreseen it already. But there'll be a lot of people, even in that situation, who the first rumblings, they won't, they won't do anything. They'll say the government will sort it out. And again, it comes back to dependence on government, yeah. this emotional dependence on authority and government and the belief that they are caring for you and that they have your best interests at heart and they'll always be there to sort out your problems is a massive mistake. And these past two years have been a first lesson that that is a massive mistake and a lot of people haven't learned it. So then you get the harder lesson. And maybe you'll learn then. If you don't, then you get a harder one. And eventually it becomes unavoidable to recognize that, that that's been the case. But, but at that point, for a lot of people, it's like there's nothing to do about it. You've, you've, you've waited way too long. They become unavoidable. <clears throat> I mean, they face inevitable real-world consequences. But how many of those people is are it, actually going to die going... Yeah. The Omicron. Yeah, are they unvaccinated? Yeah, the bl- yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's unavoidable for for everybody that there's a serious problem. But again, yeah, they, they, a lot of people won't actually ascribe it to uh, put the blame where it where, where it lies no. because they haven't been paying attention as as it progressed. That's the way it goes. That's human. That's the way human life, life cycles on this planet go. Human life cycles go, um, and there's some people who see it and some people who don't, and that's not a. Uh, it's not an elitist attitude or whatever. It's just stating the fact of the matter. And it's not easy to be uh, among the people who can see these kind of things going because you have to suffer through it. A lot of people are living in uh, blissful ignorance in a certain sense or they just dissociate and say, no, I'm not even, they don't even want to think about it. So they don't think about it and they distract themselves with any number of things. They're technically right now having a better time than, than any of us are. 
you know, because we have to watch this happening, you know, and we have to be feel frustrated and angry and and, and desperate about about the traje- trajectory that it's on, uh, while those people just get to <clears throat> pretend nothing's nothing's wrong, everything's fine, this will blow over in a, in, in a short time, and anyway, the government has our best interests at heart, and it's like, dude, it's like again, yeah, that idea of like wanting to wring people's necks uh, at a point where they least are able to handle, handle their neck being wrong because they're in, in dire straits, you know, is, is pretty true. But, yeah, anyway, um, it's the 19th of December. <clears throat> this is our last show for the year. It is. It is. What's next Sunday? 26th? 26th. Yeah, no show next Christmas. week. We don't care what, well, unless something super awesome happens, but it won't. Do you know why? Because over Christmas, they tend, they've done their lockdown thing wherever they're going to do it. They've told people they can't have Christmas or they can't have Christmas, they can have a half a Christmas or a quarter of a Christmas or whatever it is. And they'll just let that play out until the new year. Although a lot of places are saying no fireworks, no New Year's Eve celebrations mm. because, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, fireworks spread spread the virus. Anyway, uh, somehow people congregate together. People congregate. Looking that's, up at this guy the guy in the cold night air is a perfect super spreader event. Anyway, um, but yes, yeah, so it'll be New Year before we're back again. But that'll be the twenty sixth and seven is second, second of January. Um, and if anything's happened over that period of two weeks, we'll be we'll we'll be on it, obviously. And then we'll be facing into a, a brave new year, uh, a brave new world, a brave new year of increasing chaos, craziness, madness, silliness, stupidness, corruption, fecklessness, and Fauci, no doubt. <laughs> Little evil gnome. He's going to get his one day. Uh, we're going to get you a shirt. Or you I have, have one, one, but we're yeah. going to get you another one. Oh, yeah. That says that. Yeah, evil little gnome. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I think we'll leave it there for this year. It's a bit weird to say that, but there's another year gone, another COVID year. Who would ever thought would be in this situation? This was dropped on us last year, you know that? Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. And you could, people, people forget because it becomes normalized, but if you think back, it was like there was a sense of shock that, this was happening. They, they, for our, from our perspective, that they were doing this. Uh, not so much for us, but yeah. Well, but it was quite shocking. Still, I mean, we knew they they had done stuff before or whatever, but this was like they'd gone massive, right? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty freaky. Um, but people have normalized it, you know. People would never have imagined yeah. that the life that what has happened over the past two years, like three years ago, they would never have imagined this could have happened. But here it is, and now you're living in it, and it's been normalized. It's the new reality, and that'll happen again. There'll be other things. That are that right now you could not have imagined happening. We're yeah. trying to give you a hint of what the type of things that will happen, so you're slightly less freaked out and shocked by it because you know it will be freaky and shocky. Uh, but um, this, a lot of people. This will is still be, relatively stable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, compared and, to what's but, coming. Yeah, and it, but it'll be stuff that you won't not, won't be able to never have been able to imagine. Even even in the context that we're talking about it, where we give some hints about what is likely to happen and the scenario. How it actually looks and feels, there's no preparing for it, you know. But it does help to have a little bit of advance warning about it, you know, just to mitigate that kind of, oh my God, freak out, what's happening, you know, like lost lambs being in the night type thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, but that's what that's what's going, going down next year. And uh, yeah, we'll be here to chart it and go, oh my God, you see what happened? And point out... Um, the problems. I mean, at some point it'll become futile, I think, to actually point out the problems anymore because it'll be like, we can like, what's the point of like, when things are 
in complete chaos, talk, trying to talk to people and say, you see where this, see this chaos that's happening? Uh, this is, let's look back at where it came from. People are like, dude, I'm just dealing with the chaos. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not interested where it came from. Uh, I don't care anymore. I just need to, you know, keep a handle on things, you know? So maybe it'll come to the point where it'll be just like, we'll just play videos of chaos. Go, yep, there's some more chaos. There's some more chaos. There's increasing chaos. There's even more chaos. And go, wow, that's an interesting show. Uh, but yeah, until then, which is 2nd January. Is there anything going on in the chat room? It's uh, Christmas. Well wishes. Yeah. And okay. to you guys. Merry Christmas, guys. I hope you have a good one. Try Take and, a break. Try and be as relaxed and peaceful and happy and joyous as you can over the next couple of weeks because you're going to need it as a store for what's coming next year. But like I said, we'll be there to keep you abreast of topics of the important stuff. So Merry Xmas, Merry Caesar, Merry Christmas, Merry whatever. Have a good one and thanks for watching and listening. And if you haven't done so, like all the likey things and smash all the buttons because that's awesome. And thanks for commenting and thanks for watching and thanks for listening. And we'll see you next year. And let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. See ya. Can't stop the signal now.